Welcome to Picks and Flicks. This is a podcast where myself, Stephen Pigeon, and my co-host, CJ Welsh, take game and movie pairings and discuss to see if they work against each other in different ways. CJ is a filmmaker and producer, and I work in production across both film and games. Before we start, I would like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land on which we occupy and pay our respects to elders past, present, and emerging. Sovereignty was never ceded, it always was, and always will be Aboriginal land. Today's episode has been a pairing that I've been excited about for a while. Today we're doing Doom Eternal and Mad Max Fury Road. Hell yeah. Doom Eternal, uh, developed by id Software and released in 2020, is a follow-up to the 2016 Doom, which is also a new continued version of the original Doom games, with the first original coming out in 1993. Uh, In Doom Eternal, Hell's armies have conquered Earth, and you play as a Doom Slayer in an epic campaign to conquer demons across dimensions, including literally going to Hell, and stop the final destruction, destruction of humanity. The only thing they fear is you. <laughs> it's true. Um, <laughs> and then uh, Mad Max Free Road, directed by George Miller and released in 2015, is the fourth entry into the Mad Max movie franchise, with the original starring Mel Gibson and releasing in 1979. Mad Max Free Road follows Max Rokotansky, now played by Tom Hardy, a drifter and survivor in a post-apocalyptic wasteland who ends up joining Imperator Furiosa, a rebel warrior played by Charlize Theron, in a mission to overthrow a tyrant who controls the land's water supply. I figured I might as well do like a summary because I've been forgetting to do those in past episodes. No, good call, good call. Uh, I think this, it's this is the full spoiler warning. Yeah, but, I was going to say, yeah. Um, <laughs> so, you know, if you, that, that's, that's the brief introduction. We're going to go through all of it, but here we go. If you're worried about spoilers for things like Mad Max or the original Doom at this point, like it's a bit like, guys. <laughs> You've missed the boat on that by a decent margin. Well, I have uh, quite a few talking points, but I suppose uh, is there any way that you want to start? I mean, I want to start by by just pointing out the elephant in the room is that a lot of our episodes are direct adaptations, and these two are obviously not an adaptation of one another. I think we've had like three direct ad- adaptations or so. Oh, really? Yeah, well, there you go. So basically, this one is a little bit looser, especially when you consider that there is, in fact, a Mad Max game. However... And a, and, a, and a Doom movie. And a Doom movie. And I think we can all agree that that is definitely one of the movies of all time. It stars Dwayne The Rock Johnson. It does. And it exists. And it has scenes and lines of dialogue I think the, and the soundtrack. The only clip of it, because I haven't seen the movie, but the only scene I've seen is like the first person segment. Which is, which is probably actually the best part of that film, <laughs> if I'm being brutally honest. Well, because that movie is kind of like adapted from Doom 3, right? No, not really. No? <laughs> it's, I don't know if it's adapted from much other than the, a basic fleeting glimpse of what playing Doom might look like. Well, maybe in the future we'll do like the flip of it where we'll do like the Mad Max game that was, mm. I think, average at best. Oh, see, I disagree. I really enjoyed the Mad Max game. I, I only played the first like two hours. So I, if, we, if we do it, I'll dive into it. But. Yeah, yeah. No, it, it was really good. I think though that what I'm trying to get at is it's this one is less about direct adaptations and it's more about the vibe of the thing. Oh, yeah. So my like intended uh, connection when thinking about this was they're both like fast-paced, high-octane action. Mm, but present, very much so. But presented with like a different narrative, different theme and different medium, right? Yeah, 100%. Um, so looking at that, you have Max, Wasteland, cars, shotguns, just like people going absolutely fucking feral and it's amazing. Um, yeah, I mean that film, like, so I watched it, um, quite recently for this podcast, but I think it's one of the few films that I've seen multiple, multiple times. Oh yeah. I'm one of those people who doesn't generally rewatch something more than like maybe once or twice. If that, like a lot of films I've only ever seen once. But, but Mad Max Fury Road, man, I've seen that like five, six times. No I've problem. Seen, I've seen it like 10, 12 times. It's, yeah. it's like thinking about favorite movies, like it's hard to pick like a number one favorite movie, but Mad Max is in my top five without a doubt. Yeah. Uh, Fury Road anyway. You can you can kind of, I think for me, you can measure how much I enjoyed something by, by the, the debate on whether I would buy it on Blu-ray or not. Oh, Mad Max is worth buying. Right. And I'm like, that's one of the films where if somebody says, oh, I just bought a new, like, you know, this is working in film. I often get people ask me, 
I just bought a new TV. What should I what should I buy to check it out on? And what what's good? Every time it's Mad Max Free Road. Buy but, that, watch that, it'll yep. blow your mind. Um, if you buy it on Blu-ray too, you can get the black and chrome version. Oh, have, so good. Have you seen that? I have. It's so good. <laughs> it's so good. I saw it at the Astor at one point too. It's a local uh, independent cinema. Oh, and they played the black and white version in 4K. Oh, that would be so good. It's so good. And like Mad Max Free Road would be like my go-to movie for testing out 4K. Yeah, and then, 100%. And then Into the Spider-Verse came out and that's that movie. And now it's that one, yeah. Oh, man. But it is, it is breakneck. Watching it. Again, I thought I was I probably haven't seen it for a good year or so. And oh man, just what a what an absolute rush that is. Also, like it it doesn't let up. It doesn't let up. Like from it's, the get go, yeah. it it's like you have like like quieter moments where the film like, you know, gives you a break, has some time to breathe. But when the action is going, the action is fucking it's going, going and it's fucking phenomenal. They're not wrong about calling it high octane, yeah. I mean that's the you know, the idea of Mad Max has changed quite a bit. And, like, we can get into a bit of the timeline fuckery and how that's quite similar to Doom, actually. But the, <laughs> the, the gist of it, I think, though, is that the, the films have always been over the top. Um, you know, they're a little bit camp. Have they're, you seen the original one? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I'm a big fan of the original films. But I think it's... I mean, Thunderdome's excellent. But also very bizarre. So weirdly, that's the only one I actually haven't seen. Oh, you should check it out. That's a, that's a trip. That's what I mean. Because like, that's got Tina Turner. Yeah. Yeah. The films get progressively weirder to the point where Fury Road doesn't doesn't shock you in its strangeness if you have seen the other Mad Maxes. But like there's also like a lot of like small nods to the original Mad Maxes in Fury yeah. Road. Like even like a quick shot of like someone's eyes bulging out of their head. Yeah, that, stuff like that. Because that happened in like one of the original movies. It's it's also like one of uh, I suppose a way to frame the movies that I've seen people talk about, which I really like, is because the original Mad Max is still like got a bit of civilization happening in the yeah. world. Like like we aren't post apocalyptic yet. But like uh society is on the brink of collapse. So you have like motorbike gangs and Well this is this is a good question because it really depends on your take on that film because there have been arguments made that the society has already collapsed at the start of Mad Max. But because people, people are still trying to tricky. like maintain like you exactly, know, because Mad yeah. Max like Max is working as a highway yeah. like cop, right? Um, but th- uh, the way I kind of really like the framework is like the original Man Max is like the story of Max, yeah, and like how he be- how he starts, and then the rest of the movie, so Road Warrior, Beyond Thunderdome, and Fury Road, are almost like the legends of Max and oh, the, yeah. and the yeah, mythos yeah. Of, of Max, like being t- like passed down generations, and you're not actually seeing it from Max's perspective. You're you're seeing it from everyone else, yeah, like having heard about Max and talking about all the crazy shit he's done. Which is partly why I think it relates a lot to Doom in that um, the the Doom series is self-referential in that same way. Yeah. That the Doom Slayer, the, the guy you play as... <laughs> he literally... Is, there's no name. It's the Doom he's Slayer. the Doom Slayer. And, like, he's a myth. Like, people know about this guy. Yeah. And it's like this... You know, the joke, of course, the meme is that the man is too angry to die. But yeah. honestly, like, he kind of is. And it's that it's that rage that fuels him, and that 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 ridiculous insanity of of you know the rip and tear until it's done. And Mad Max kind of feels the same way. This dude's his only goal is survival, and he will just rip apart anything that gets in his way to to stop that from happening. It's so good. Yeah, it's fascinating. I also love with Doom as well. Like, uh, like I can't remember how much there was in Doom in Doom twenty sixteen. I think there was, but Doom Eternal in particular, like it, the game gets very self aware. And like leans into the silliness of that specific factor. Like everyone knows who the Doom Slayer is. He's like, a, like, like unrealistically like a a, a godly like yeah. non-human creature or whatever. And like they they tie that into the story. Which the fact that Doom has a has an engaging story is a whole other thing. I mean, that was that's the most shocking part, right? But, and, but it was actually good and it was actually really it was interesting. Actually good. They managed to tie it into the original Doom in a way that was like, yeah, that's silly, but also I fucking buy it and I'm yeah. into it. But then there's the whole point of like sort of Doom Slayer like entering the facility on Mars. Yeah. And and going through where like there's all the all the demon stuff going on and the buildings are on lockdown because of the demon invasion. And there's like warning the Doom Slayer has entered the arena. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Man, it's I do yeah, I think that's for me the biggest connecting point is the the tone of both of them feels very similar. Um notably the soundtrack too, which I don't oh know if that's necessarily God. part of it, but like for no, me, so bo- both of them have phenomenal soundtrack. But yeah. it's it, it, so that's another thing. So I'm I'm going to talk about music in particular as well. But both of these being like high action things 
you can you take a lot of games and a lot of movies as just action, and that's basically like where it is. It's good, but it's just action. Yeah, both of these like excel in every single piece of production value mm. they do. So like the music being a big one, the story actually being like really clever and engaging and keeps you hooked in as, uh, aside from the action. All the cinematography, all the, all the all the mm. shots, all the framing, all, like all the production value and sets and costumes, like it's kind of stupid how good they are for like what the selling point is. Oh, 100%. Yeah. Like Doom Doom didn't need to be as good as it, as it is. I think that's the funniest part because Doom when you think about the original games, like maybe not including three, because three was a bit of a departure as well, but certainly the first couple and all of their multiple DLCs, man, that was like it's silly. It's a it's an on it's you know a slightly on rails linear, fast pace, blow everything up, shoot stuff. We're not going to explain what's going on. It's demons. You're you're a good guy. Kill the demons. You win. That's the that's the story. It could have been ridiculous. But they went, no, 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 no. We're going to wrap this up in a beautiful little bow that's going to make you go, oh, shit, I get it. Oh, okay. Yeah. Totally now, unnecessary. Now you start to empathize for why the Doomslayer is yeah. the way that he is. Absolutely. That could have been like a generic soundtrack with like, you know, a bit of rock and roll in it and like, yeah, action. Da, 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 da. And yeah. you would have gone, yeah, cool, man. It's Doom. I get it. So, right. It's a Mad Max of the music, right? The music is crazy. But another thing that I love about it is like a lot of it. So, um, the difference between diegetic and non-diegetic yeah. music, right? So so diegetic being like music and sound that you're hearing as part of the movie exists in the world that the characters can hear. Non-diegetic is when like there's a theme song that is only that only exists to serve for the audience and the people in the, in the show have no concept of it. Mad Max has most of it diegetic with like the the guy with like the skin mask who's blind like belching out the electric guitar with a fucking flamethrower on the top yeah. of this giant truck with giant speakers and people with drums like ridiculous why like, why like, like they're you know driving what? out into the wasteland with a war cry I love it I absolutely love and it and it's fucking amazing and it makes total sense the world has ended people still want rock and roll fuck yeah do it and like, then and then doom so doom is is non non diegetic it's purely for the player but it's great and you say that but i honestly think what's happening is that's what the doom slayer is hearing in his head <laughs> like for real i mean you can, you can go into a lot of theories about like what's going on in a doom slayer's head i do like in uh, you're talking about it gets a bit self referential there's a great you you can unlock soundtracks yeah. in the game and there's a moment when you're at, I can't even remember what it's called now, like the Night Citadel or some crazy shit like that. But his like, his floating space base that you spend a bit of your in-between time in levels. <laughs> yeah, he's like, he's like moon base. Yeah, he's got like a moon base. And like, he's got his own room and you can like unlock like albums <laughs> and plushy toys. You can play the original Doom, like the entire game on the like the CRT yeah. computer that's in the Doom Slayers. It's ridiculous. Like, I love it so much. Area. Like why? But it's also, it's just, it's a moment to go, it's a video game guys. Like, yeah. Yeah, you can unlock cheat codes and and like, you know, you can give yourself unlimited ammo, unlimited lives. Oh, it's and, so like, funny. And like, it's great. It works really well. I will say that's the other thing that works really well for both. And maybe this is to do with the replayability of both the film and the game is that, you it the because of the way the action is so unrelenting and so in your face and so enthralling you you never really get tired of it you might have a moment where you go oh you know doom is quite um the game itself being a little bit anxiety inducing because it's so full on the music is so full on especially so if you're playing on like a hard difficulty and, you're, playing on and a hard you're trying to get through like, that specific like it's arena it's really intense it's so hard but it's so satisfying but when you man, get through when it. you when you beat it and oh. that's the same with with mad max when the when the scene is over that release, that catharsis of like, whoa, man, what a wild ride that was. That feels so good. And so you're like, you know what? I'd do it again. I would absolutely yeah. do it again. And also, um, so like one small thing I was going to say with music. I don't know if you noticed. Melbourne represent Mick Gordon from Melbourne did the music for the new Doom movies. He did. Doom, Doom, Doom games. Doom games. Yeah. But, but I don't know if you want to get into like the, well, the background of the, well, did he? So did, he did for Doom 2016. He definitely did for Doom 2016. <laughs> there are elements of his work in Doom Eternal and there are legal proceedings that I don't actually remember if they finished or not in terms of did he... I did think he they actually? might have, but like I don't I don't notice the specifics around the music for Doom Eternal. But I'm, I, I'm just going to celebrate Melbourne. Yeah, for real. Heavy Melbourne's metal, amazing. Uh, music. And I, I constantly listen to the Doom 2016 soundtrack. Yeah, I still do. I use it, I use it as like a workout soundtrack. Yeah. It's the same thing of like... The, it's so high intensity... 
And it's like, man, when you just got to do that last rep and you just, the, the, the song Rip and Tear comes on and you're like, oh yeah, I'm going to lift the hell out of those or B, weights. Or BFG Division. Yeah. Fuck. It's something about like, I don't know, man, it's pretty heavy metal, but like, and it's actually funny because most movie soundtracks are things that I would be like, use for like relaxing or if I'm trying to write something. No, this is like a power workout. This is a power workout. Yeah. This, this soundtrack is like, you're not going to sit on your couch and relax when this comes on. Mm-mm. No, you better get out and you better be doing hard work. I've been, I've been listening to the Doom soundtrack and heavy metal just all week um, yeah. in the car and it's been fucking great and just drumming along on the steering wheel it's good stuff yeah check out um mick gordon's done some amazing work he's yeah definitely shout out to mick gordon really really impressive stuff i kind of like it's a real shame whatever happened uh, again I, I don't really remember the details of how it all came out in the wash but it's a shame that the relationship with the guys at id appears to have been soured because if they do another Doom and it doesn't have Mick Gordon doing the soundtrack, it's well, not going to be I as think good. Well, uh, Mick Gordon came out and said like he probably is not going to work with them again. Yeah, um, it's a real shame. I, I don't know what it was. I think, I think the last I heard was like he wasn't like submitting stuff on time and they had to meet certain deadlines and they couldn't rely on him anymore. Yeah, it was something like that, and they ended up being like he he provided like the basic licks or something and they were using that, but they had somebody else come in to actually finish the songs. And so there was like an argument about who owns that and blah, 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 blah. I don't know. It, it got really messy is my point. And like on Twitter, it was obviously like blown up. A lot of, lot of harsh words were thrown around, but I just think it's a shame because I'm like, God damn, imagine, imagine being the guys at id and having that happen and be like, God damn it. He was such an important part of what made doom like the modern doom the way it is. Yeah. If that relationship is truly soured, oh, what an absolute tragedy. Well, I think Doom Eternal is the last Doom game. Like, I think they've come out and said that, like, uh, especially with the, um, I forget the name of the DLC, but The Last Gods. The awesome. Ancient Gods. The Ancient Gods, yeah. 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 I, I haven't actually finished the second part yet. Oh, you should. It's a fucking banger. I'm, I'm on the second last level. Ooh, um, man, that last level, I'm you're in for a treat. The Earth level? Yeah, yeah, they really, like, they go, they go all out, man. Like but it's yeah. wild because um, apparently it's the end of the, of like the slave story. So like, I mean, that's the thing. Technically, it is right. Like it 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 wraps it up in a way that you kind of go. I don't know where they would take the story after that, but this is a beautiful thing with the Doom Slayer. You could just bring it back. You could do another Doom. Oh, yeah. Nobody would bat an eyelid. Yeah, I'm sure. Even if even if the story didn't quite make sense, and they were like, oh, it's a it's a midquel. It takes place between. The original Doom and Doom Eternal or whatever, you'd be like, yeah, sure, that's fine. I'd, I'd be into it. You know what? Do, do, Doom awesome. is the kind of franchise where like it's very easy for me to suspend my disbelief. To oh do yeah. Like, oh, you want to take me on this ride? Fucking sign me up. Let's go. Yeah, and I mean they they buy you into that really quickly. Like Doom Eternal in particular, it it's very interesting actually because it assumes that you've played enough of Doom 2016 to sort of get what's going on. There's very little exposition on the story at the beginning of the game. Like, they but get into d- it later d- on. 2016 does that as well. Like, I think, like... The they ve- just throw you the, into the it. The intro yeah. of the game is, like, this is what's happening. Like, you've been broken out of, like, your tomb. You have, like, uh, the villain, like, um, radioing or transmitting on a TV, starting to talk to you, starting to explain what the fuck's going on. And the Doom Slayer just literally rips the TV off the wall, throws it away, gets a shotgun, and just starts going out and yeah, killing, yeah. killing the things. Game, the game tells you quickly, like, don't worry about it. Yeah. You'll, you'll figure it out but, as you but, go. Like, the game's like, there's a story, but like, like we know why you're here. We know why you're here. Go, just, go rip and tear. I think it's fascinating, because you could do that. You could absolutely just do a new Doom game, and maybe it's, you know, five years away, and, and it'll look all kinds of craziness and blah, blah, blah. But yeah, you just drop that and be like, there you go, new Doom, you know what it is, we know what it is, you'll have fun. And you'll yeah. go, yeah, fuck yeah, let's do it. It's I mean, what, okay, Mad Max has a similar vibe, right? Because every version, every Mad Max film doesn't necessarily require you to have seen the previous films. No. It goes, you have vaguely heard about Mad Max. You you have Which, a rough understanding of what this is. This is also something that I um, have thought about a lot when it comes to like, you know, Marvel movies or like any kind of big franchise movie. <laughs> that kind of relies on you having seen the previous movies and being up to date. I think like if you, if you take like a sequel or whatever for something that came out a while ago, if, you, or if you're vaguely familiar mm. with it, that sequel or next entry in, into the series should hold up on its own, right? Like, oh, yeah, 100%. Like, like it, on a case-by-case basis, it depends. But I think like as a general rule of thumb, like if I'm going in to watch Avengers Infinity War, I should not be required to watch like the 30, every single yeah. of the 30 movies coming up before it. I mean, that's that's where we're getting to a point of, of absurdity with some of that stuff. And one, one could argue that video games have sort of gone down a similar route. But, yeah, it kind of gets annoying because you're like, if you're constantly building on stuff um, and you're, you're, you're doing like the second act of everything again and again and again and again and yeah. again and there's never any closure, then like, yeah, you have to go back and watch everything to understand what's happening. That's crazy. 
It's also like there's no way, uh, especially with Marvel, there's no way you can keep things consistent across ah, exactly. all of it. You think about like um, an interesting example of that, which is like a bit of a tangent. You know, we might cut this, but the the um, Netflix Marvel shows were not canon for a while. And now they've just now decided to make them canon. They're like, well, they're going to be canon, but we're not going to explain exactly how canon or... It's probably just going to be another multiverse. Right? Thing. It's a multiverse thing. So they're like, like okay. that, that, That's becoming a crutch now. Yeah, it's a crutch. You just It's a multiverse. So you're like, okay, we know that Daredevil is going to be in the new She-Hulk show and yeah. it's going to be um, Matt's... You know, what's his name? The guy, Charlie Cox? It'll yeah. be him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because so he was in Spider-Man Daredevil. as well. He, yeah. was in, he was in Spider-Man. So then you go, okay, what about Luke Cage? No mention of him, but he was he shows up in The Defenders, which also stars the Charlie Cox Daredevil. Or what Are about they all connected? What about Iron Fist? The Iron one that they just, they just want to sweep under the rug and Defender keep Defender of Kunlun, blah, 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 that guy. You you do wonder how much, and they can sort of go hand wavy. It doesn't matter. We'll figure it out later. Yeah. We'll make it work. But there is an element of like, wait a minute. Does that mean for me to watch She-Hulk, am I supposed to go back and re-watch, or, or if I haven't seen them, to watch what is ultimately about nine seasons worth yeah. of Netflix shows? This, That's crazy. This happened. This is this is a big tangent now. I'll, I'll bring it back in a bit. but Because I, I saw Spider-Man No Way Home, and I hadn't seen Daredevil. And so when he appeared in, in that scene as the lawyer, like a lot of people in my theater like gasped and went crazy. And I was kind of like, I, I don't know yeah, who I don't he get is. It. Yeah. Um, and then I looked into it, being like, "Oh, cool, it's Daredevil, sick." And then I looked at, uh, into the show Daredevil, and it's like nine seasons. It's like, oh, for fuck's sake! That's a lot. I mean, that's, I'm sure yeah. it's great, but like, if I if I'm not already in, then it's a yeah. big ask. I mean, you know? that's, that's the thing, right? If you're not already in, and I'll give you the uh, this is the argument, but oh, but most of the big fans have seen it. That's not true, man. Like, there's a big difference between a, a hardcore fan and someone who has seen all the movies. It's like, a, it's also like you know, I, I started watching Agents of Shield. Uh, and got like three episodes in, and I'm like, this is not good. Oh, you're so wrong. Agents of Shield gets fucking incredible. I will, I will give you that the first season is rough, but in the same vein as like Star Trek. Okay, the first season is them finding their feet. They didn't know what the show was, but this when is they also figure it out. Oh my goodness! This is also part of the point too. Being like, I don't have to stick out a season for it to get good with every single Marvel show in order to be up to date. Yeah, I mean, thankfully, you don't have to do it with every show. I, unarguably, from my from from what I'm looking at online and what everybody's saying, Agents of Shield is a fucking banger, but it's unrelated to the main Marvel universe. They're bringing back one of the characters for sure, but even then, it's not her. It's going to be the same actor playing the same character, but it's a multiversal shenanigans. So, Agents of Shield is totally non-canon. And yeah. If, if you if you want to enjoy a ridiculous Marvel TV show that gets so fucking good, totally worth it. Whereas for canon stuff, I'm going all three seasons of Daredevil are total rippers. You'll love them. They're incredible. Other than that, though, you can skip pretty much all of the Defenders, Luke Cage, Iron Fist, all that shit. Just watch season one of Jessica Jones. That's all you need. I have uh, been recommended Jessica Jones. Yeah. Um, and I didn't realize until it was recommended to me that David Tennant is in it playing a villain. Yeah. And that in itself. I'm like, This is what I mean. Okay. Season one is amazing. After that, it gets a bit weird. You, you don't need to watch the rest. Honestly, like even if the, even if they do canonize all of the Netflix characters, yeah. you still only need to watch the three seasons of Daredevil and Jessica Jones. That's it. The rest is only so-so, and you'll figure out what happens by context clues in whatever else they show up in. So, back to Doom. Especially because the fucking Iron Fist is going to introduce himself again. Whenever they show him up, he's going to go, I'm blah, blah, blah. I'm the, I'm the Iron Fist, the defender of Kunlun. It became a meme. Like, it's a joke, man. I thought, I, I, from what I've seen online, people are thinking that, that they're just actually totally ignoring Iron Fist and they're just going all in with Shang-Chi. Yeah. I mean, honestly, like, if they're... This is horrible because the guy who played Danny Rand in the Netflix show, he did a great job. I think it was the written material that was garbage. Like he was, it was a very similar situation to like the prequel trilogy for Star Wars. Yeah. He was handed garbage and he read garbage, but fuck, he read the shit out of it. Like, like he tried so hard. That's like trying to watch uh, the Christopher Eccleston run of Doctor Who. Yeah. You Christopher just, Eccleston is great. Yeah. But like half of the episodes is in an absolute yeah. trash. It's it's a struggle. I, it's it's a shame. I hope they bring back the Iron Fist purely because it's a it's a ridiculous over the top. Like, like if they do... Iron Fist again it should be as a side character in a new Shang-Chi movie and it would be a banger it would be so good I mean they probably will again they're just going to bring in like an alternate it will like a variant yeah it's a variant yeah back to Doom seamless transition (laughs) seamless transition and Doom is in a way uh, it it is a multiversal type deal you know if you well okay minor spoilers but yeah if you play the DLCs 
you realize there's dimensional travel, there's parallel worlds, I don't blah, think blah, it, blah. Oh, yeah. So I don't know how that goes into like multiverse, multiple like realities, but definitely like dimensions for sure. Because you go oh, to yeah. hell, you go to like- Hell a, dimension is real. Yeah, yeah. A version of heaven or like- Well, I mean, is it a version? It's, it's, it, they, they're doing their own like take on heaven and hell and they're both like as equally fucked as each other, which I think yeah. is really cool. It's what I would call- um, it's a it's a spiritual science fiction. They, yeah. They've taken the gist of it and gone, yeah, but what if it was a real place? What would it look like? What would it involve? And, and, they, that, and, yeah. and they write their own canon with it as well. Yeah, it's yeah. the idea that like any any sufficiently uh, impressive science will appear as magic, right? Like, like I think the idea of like the creatures in heaven are celestial beings that have like given humanity uh, like the intelligence and like, and like enough to like get them going. And now this is like their final test with hell invading and conquering Earth to see if they deserve to continue to live, kind of, not really, kind, kind of. Like I, I'm, the, I'm you, like guessing based on yeah. when I, when I like looked into that. Like it last doesn't time. fully reveal the story unless you play the Ancient Gods DLC, where they kind of get into a bit more about like, okay, again, huge fucking spoilers here, but fucking the go the, for it. the final boss of uh of the final DLC for Doom Eternal, you're basically fighting God. Yeah, like you're gonna kill God. Because yeah. you're like, what the fuck, bro? And it's it's the idea of like the ultimate, like the Doomslayer, he's angry and he's he's so angry, but what is he actually angry about? He's a fucking angry boy. He's a very angry boy. He's 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 angry at the injustice of the whole thing. Yeah. And and who is to blame for the injustice of the whole thing when you break it right down? It's God. God himself. <laughs> so there's a whole thing of like you're fighting the devil, like Satan, but actually it's the same as like what we would consider to be the ultimate being, God, whatever. Same person, same, the man behind the curtain, it's the same guy the whole way through, yeah. the good and the bad. And you realize like the way they kind of posit this moral grayness is that, um, you know, there is no inherently moral good or wrong. The idea is that souls are actually a form of energy and hell was meant oh, to be Yeah, you, you, you go to the soul harvesting production. factory. Yeah. It's so cool. And it turns out that like the demons at some point decided they were doing their own thing and blah, blah, blah. Anyway, I, I won't try and recap the story because it is a bit bananas. But the idea is that- Ultimately, humans were basically like batteries and like all, all we do is produce more soul energy and the demons got out of hand, got impatient and started trying to farm us rather than just, you know, take us as we die normally. Thus the invasion of Earth. And it, it has happened multiple times. Like other species, other races have had this problem through dimensional travel. And this is kind of where you get into this idea that like, yeah, okay, he the Doomslayer kills this big demon and goes wait a minute, there's more, there's more demons, go on, kills more demons, gets to the big boss demon and the big boss demon's like, dude, I'm just doing my job. Like, I don't know why you're so angry at me. I'm I'm middle management. And the doomsayer's <laughs> like, what the fuck? There's more? And he's like, yeah, I have like a boss. I, lo- I love that as, uh, like, as, as a context, like, because that doesn't happen in the game. But just imagine like, come on, man. I'm, I'm like, I'm just, I'm just working in corporate. I mean, yeah. it kind of <laughs> does. So the opening level of Doom Eternal, you kill, like, honestly, it's within the first, like, Oh, the, the, the one of the priests? He killed the hell priest. Yeah. And the hell priest is like, bro, what are you doing? Like, he's like, this is outrageous. How, <laughs> how dare you come into my office while I'm at work and, and strangle me? And you chop his head off. But he, he has a little speech where he effectively is like, dude, like, what are you doing? This is the job. This is what we're paid to do. Yeah. You know, he's like, we're doing what we're supposed to do. What the hell, man? And the doomsayer's like, no, fuck that. I'm tearing this whole thing down. And it's wild. Yeah, you end up in a situation where, of course, who is the ultimate uh, nemesis for the Doomslayer? It's it's the Doomslayer. It's himself. Yeah. So, of course, uh, Satan in the game slash God takes on the appearance of the Doomslayer. So your final boss fight is against a guy who has a very similar skill set to you. Also, c- classic like shadow version of yourself. Shadow right? version. It's a great trope. I love it. And I love the idea that like the, the, the film Mad Max Fury Road sort of has something similar in that Furiosa is equally unable to die because she's so angry. Yeah. <laughs> and the injustice is just grinding her. She down almost so dies hard. though. She like, almost like dies. She, she gets it fucking rough in that movie. Yeah, yeah. I mean that's the thing. She like when you finally get to the end of it, you realize like Max is not actually invincible. He's very lucky and he's very angry. And that's really what's keeping him going. And so it's like you know, <laughs> it's two core ingredients for any good action: luck and anger. <laughs> right? Yeah. You you end up with like okay, the villain chasing him. Um, 
Uh, what was his name? Im- Im- Immortan Joe. Oh, uh, <laughs> Immortan Joe. I know he played Toe Cutter in the first movie. Immortan Joe. Immortan Joe. Yeah. That dude, man, like, again, you're, you're like, what is his deal? Like, yeah, he wants his wives back. He's so angry. He's like, I'm going to... You realise, I think it's about the three-quarter mark of the way through where the, the one of the villain dudes is, like, reading off the expenses that they've run up on this little journey. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, you've cost us all these bullets, all this gasoline, like, all this time, blah, blah, blah. I, I love I love the bureaucracy there. Yeah, he's, like, ticking it off in a book, being like, and now you've got to stuck in a quagmire. And it's just this thing of, like, you fucking clown. <laughs> what for? What? Are, this is the most ridiculous waste okay. of resources, blah, blah. And, it's because he's a Joe's just like, fuck you, we're doing this. Yeah, <laughs> I yeah. want my wives back because <laughs> he has slave slave wives, uh, uh, breeders, and then like oh, control- the milk thing is so gross. I and, love it. Um, controlling the water, like he just wants to be in control. Yeah, it's power and control. It's always yeah. it's always power and control. And I guess that's the uh, the Doomslayer's primal rage is that he doesn't he he finds the idea of power and control being the rule of the universe just unacceptable. And he's yeah. like, well, fine then. I will have the power and control and I will use it to rip this whole thing apart. And he does. And it's great. And I feel like Max re- is similar in a way, but instead of trying to tear it all down, Max is just like, this is absurd. I just want to not be here. I wish I wish to go somewhere else. <laughs> yeah. Max's entire thing is like, I, I was just going that way. <laughs> yeah, I just happened to be going that way. And this is what occurred. Like... I think it's ridiculous, but I also, I do love the fact that they sort of tie a lot of that in. There's a great moment in Fury Road where like the film could just end there where like they've got the rig and whatever, and they're being chased in the, and, and oh, Ma- yeah, Max this is, is like halfway like, through. Yeah. It's about yeah. halfway through. And Max is like, I'm going to go and kill all these dudes and like save the day and get what we need. And Furiosa is like, what happens if you're not back by like lunchtime or whatever? And he just goes, just keep going. Yeah. He's like, duh. Like, why are you asking me? You're going to wait for me? Like, are you stupid? No. Yeah. Like, if I don't come back in time, fucking leave. Because I'm dead. Yeah. And, and like, that, that's why we're doing this is so you can leave and survive. Yeah. I think it's brilliant because it, it does sort of show that, like, he's he's driven by this similar thing of, like, I'm just going to keep going. And if that means my next step is i got to kill these dudes and take their water and their fuel and whatever, then that's what I'm going to do. He's also driven and, like, kind of become insane by holding on to, like, his family that he couldn't save. It's that whole PTSD thing. I love I love the way they do that in the film too, of like, he's so traumatized, but he only speaks like five lines in the he whole movie. He just grunts. But we fucking get it. Like we yeah. get it. We yeah, know yeah. where he's at the whole time. And you understand like why he decides to help them as well. Yeah. I feel like that's a testament to uh, to Tom Hardy. But it, again, it's a similar vibe to Doom in that the main character doesn't really need to speak. We no. understand their motivations through their actions. And like you never really see his face until you unlock some of the skins that show his face. But mm, yeah, yeah. Um, it's, it's, one of those, it's, it, it's one of those things where like, similar to Master Chief, he's just a guy going through all this shit. Yeah. I mean, with what you were saying too, of like Kim deciding like, all right, fine, I'll have to control and decide to do things. He also uses it in a way that is in disregard to the rest of human society. Oh, yeah. He literally blows a hole into, into the surface of Mars and destroys the planet. Yeah. But it had to be done. It had to be done. It's so he could open up the portal and yeah. go to hell. Zero, zero hesitation too. Did not fuck around. Other people in the room were like, bro, what, what are you doing? And he's like, just push the button. Off you go. And everyone in the room, like, I remember watching that and being like, this is insane. What a ridiculous plot point. We're going to fucking blow a hole in Mars? And the game was like, yeah, we are. Strap yourself in. And I'm like, okay. And then you're in hell. Yeah. Fuck yeah. It's Let's like, do it's, it. It's like one of those moments. It's like playing Portal 2. And when, like, like spoilers for the very end of Portal 2, but like it came out 10 years ago, where you shoot, a portal, <laughs> you shoot a portal onto the surface of the moon. And then, the, like, the enemy gets all sucked up up there. And, like, now you're in the outer space. You've, you've been in the fucking science lab the entire game. Now you're on the fucking moon. Crazy. Ridiculous. I love it. And Doom Eternal just doing that kind of thing. It's like, okay, we're on Mars. We're destroying Mars. We're in hell. You, you're going back to the moon. You're on Earth. It's, like, it's relentless and it's nonstop. Yeah, but it is it's so, relentless, right? It's so fucking good. Maybe that's it. Maybe that's the, the, the connecting tissue here is that both of these things are utterly relentless but in a way that just draws you in. And and when it's finished, you're not like, you, you don't sit there and go, oh my God, like I can't believe what I just went through. You're like, fuck yeah, give me more. I want more. I mean, that's partly why Doom Eternal works so well and it had the DLCs is because yeah. even when it ends, you're like, shit, yeah, I'd play that again. And then there's like a little ad thing that pops up and it's like, hey, there's DLC available. And like, yeah, I'm doing it. I'm going to fucking have it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's, that's one of the most successful DLCs I've seen where it, it doubles down on the combat and the story and the music. It's just like, you enjoyed that? 
we have a whole more we have a whole then, extra of that if you want it. And then they go even further, being like, "Do you want like another like revise? We ha- you have the master levels where it's like you have everything oh, unlocked. So good. You have all the abilities, all the weapons, everything, and we're going to throw fucking everything at you. Yeah, it's going to be a challenge and a half, and just go for it. They brought in. Uh, horde mode oh, the now, horde mode. Yeah. which is like another arcade mode. It's like keep going, keep killing all the demons as fast as you can, get the bonuses, unlock bonus waves, all this shit, whatever. Then you have multiplayer. The multiplayer is is fucking garbage. I, w- I will say that. Yeah, yeah. They, uh, I don't know, I don't know what happened there. I think they probably just could have gone. We didn't need this. The multiplayer in Doom 2016 too was also like an entirely different game mode. But it really it, was. It, yeah. it was also like they're, they're, I think they're trying to go for um, Quake. They were trying to do the competitive thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, it just, I don't know, it didn't work, didn't like sell. That, that's not what it's for. It's also like, that's not why I'm playing Doom. I'm yeah. playing Doom to kill demons and have that like fantasy power trip. Yeah. Yeah. Just give me that. I don't need the rest. It's funny though, because like, it's not saying that this is the only way to do a good game, right? Where like, I'm also at the moment playing the the Lego Skywalker saga game. Oh, yeah. It's very addictive and fun. Like I'm enjoying it a lot, but like, it's such a different vibe, you know? That compared to Doom Eternal is... It could not be more night and day. Yeah. But sometimes you're in the mood to rip and tear until it is done. Yeah. Other times you want to build Lego blocks and run around and have a bit of fun. I, I've been playing uh, Dorf Romantic, which is a game that just came out on Steam. It's, I, th- <laughs> I think, I think, oh it's, my God. I think it's German or Dutch or, or something like that. But it's, it's basically <laughs> like uh, you just build your little village out of town. You have like your the house tiles and the and the forest tiles and the and the grass tiles and the river tiles and the trains and all that kind of stuff. There's no time limit, it's just relaxing. You this very calming music. Yeah. Just, just sit down, build your little world, just relax, like decompress, you're fine. Then the next day I'd be like, all right, fuck yeah, let's murder some fucking demons. Let's go. Actually, it's so funny that we, we talk about the soundtrack and the music, and I've just remembered something really funny. So I have an uh, an ongoing D and D game with a bunch of uh, mates of mine. And we have a, a sort of a running gag where when we're about to do something truly impressive or ridiculous, we'll bring up a song that we think is playing or that we're hearing in our heads on our phone. And so there was a great moment uh, in a recent game where my character basically 1v1'd a Yeti and it was pure luck. I could have died at any second and I was like, oh, I've had a good run with this character. If this is the end of it, that's that's a great way to go. But also if it's not the end of it, then fuck and it's not yes. the end, it's so impressive. And so I, I just like, as it's happening and the DM is like, okay, uh, describe what's going on and I'm like alright and I put the song I put on Rip and Tear yes. from the Doom soundtrack and it was so appropriate I'm like I'm going to stab this Yeti in the neck I'm going to try and cleave its head clean off and like it just was ridiculous and it, what it made me realise is like the soundtrack adds such a level to the game but it, you can tell it does because it applies to anything like I was oh, saying yeah. like workout music any of that shit it's, it's, it's so the fact that it translates it, it for workout. It you up so quickly and so hard that you're like, oh my God, I'm in the zone. Yeah, the fact that it translates so well for workout yeah. music just like says on how good of a job it does to get you in that mindset yeah. to play the game. And I think the Mad Max soundtrack, especially for Furo, does does a similar thing. You hear the, the songs that are playing when they're doing those like massive chase sequences yeah. and you're immediately there. You're like, fuck yeah, I don't know what's going on, but I'm, and like, I'm and ready. Like, as the camera like pans and zooms into the guitarist oh, and you get that like, guitar riff going on like yeah. as, as it goes by the camera and then fades away as you get further away. I know, like, I it's, love it. It's such a small detail, but it works so well and this brings the movie up to like a higher level of quality it does and it's so ridiculous on paper if you if you pitched that to me i would probably laugh at you be like right they're doing a chase through the desert they got these giant apocalyptic trucks also there's a guy on a truck with a guitar flamethrower also he's playing the soundtrack and you're just like get the fuck out of here what are you talking about but oh my god, it works! Also, there, there's like law and history to that character that you yeah, can look yeah, up. He's got a whole story, yeah, like he's blind. I think his mother died when he was young, and um, uh, the, the villain. I'm, uh, I'm forgetting his name again. Um, Immortan, yeah, Immortanjo. Immortanjo. Um, he basically like rescued him and adopted him, and the mask that he wears is like the leather skin of his mother's face. Oh, that's so fucked up. It's I love so it. dark and twisted. But it's also like, oh, okay. There's no reason for this, but also George fucking Miller, why not? You're fucked, mate. I this is the guy who. Guy. This is the guy who brought you Babe and and um, what was the penguin one? Uh, Happy Feet. Happy Feet. What a, what a ridiculous character George Miller is. Like honestly, big shout out to George. I, I've never met the guy. But he's, he's one of a, Australia's finest exports. He's got 3,000 sure. years of longing coming out. I know. I'm that movie looks that. fucking amazing. Yeah. He's, he's a loose unit, this guy. 
all of the stories that I've heard about the making of Mad Max Fury Road sound like it was a fucking nightmare from start to finish. And look well, at the end result. The dude's a genius. Yeah, he well, might be a crazy madman, but he's a genius. To make, they've been trying to make Mad Max Fury Road since they finished Thunderdome. Yeah, insane. Uh, Mel Gibson was originally attached to the project. That all blew up for... I think everyone knows why. Um, I mean, that and just plus he just aged out of it. It took him so long to make the thing. Even if that, even if his own personal bullshit had not gone down, yeah. I think at this point they would have had to recast him anyway. And then uh, they were originally going to film it in Australia. Um, you know, similar location to when they did the original ones. Oh, it's like, so funny. Uh, yeah. like, like Western New South Wales, I think. Um, but then like when they were giving up and find a location to film, there was flash flooding and the desert was actually like alive and flowers and grass and everywhere. And they talked to, I think, like the people who lived there being like, how soon do you think this will clear up? And I'm like, oh, you give it a couple of months. It was like two years and it still yeah, wasn't gone. So, hadn't gone. so they had to go overseas, um, I think to, uh, not so high, but like an African desert. They went to Nairobi, I believe. Yes. But for the new uh, Mad Max movie coming out, The Wasteland, which I think is a prequel for Furiosa, yeah. that is being filmed in Australia. It is, yeah, yeah, yeah. It is. It's. I think it's. Uh, it's a prequel, and it's about Furiosa. But Charlize Theron, I don't believe, is coming back. Oh, really? She apparently had a terrible time on the set of. Oh, that's Fury. right. Apparently, her and Tom Hardy didn't. I don't know any of the details, but apparently, yeah. they did not get on. Well, apparently, they're friends now. Um, they they made up after the fact. Apparently, a lot of this was Tom, and this is like you know, I'm, I'm, we're digging into some industry gossip here, so like take this with a. I also huge I also don't know any of the details. All yeah. I know is that like, apparently they had a bad time. No, I, I got into this because I'm I'm fascinated by all the the inner workings of some of this stuff. But apparently, uh, Tom had a terrible time, and his reaction was not super great, and he admits that now. He did not understand what they were doing because halfway through the film, he was like, "This is not working. This is stupid." Like. I don't say any lines. How is anyone going to know what the fuck's going on? And apparently it was because they were doing changes to the way the story was going to progress as they were shooting. And he didn't understand the film until he saw in cinemas, until he saw it. So apparently right. at the premiere, he like went up to George and was like, I'm, I get it now. Like you're, I'm, I was a dick. I'm sorry. I get it. You're a genius. And stuff like that. And apparently, yeah, Charlize Theron and him, they had a couple of blow ups on set. And I think a lot of that was just around you. Okay. So this is something that, like, as filmmakers, we can both kind of understand. But yeah. for the audience out there, the logistics behind doing this shoot must have been a oh fucking my God. shit show. Mad Max in particular, like, all of those vehicles and all those explosions oh my God. are practical. practical They're explosions. actually filming that and running along on a highway and doing it. I mean, it. I love it. And I'm watching it. I'm like, fuck yeah, I would love to do this. All, but all those, like, giant, like, sticks going back and forth for people on them. People are actually fucking some, doing that's that. That's some Cirque du Soleil shit, man. It, it's fascinating to me because... The part of me that's a film producer is like, I fucking love it. I would love to do shit like this. But then the other half of me, the amount of is work like, behind it, fuck that. Yeah, the amount of work, the risks, the the oh, the expense, fucking oh my god. Looking at stuff like, um, you know, okay, why did Charlize Theron and Tom Hardy not get along? I can only imagine doing like fifteen hour days in the fucking desert, like unable to get clean. It's hot. It's miserable. Those costumes look uncomfortable as Do, fuck. Doing like incredibly choreographed incredibly and I'm sure like very fight scenes. rehearsed, like, like yeah. grueling, right? Grueling. And plus Charlize has got that thing on her arm for half the fucking movie. Like, oh my God, it would have been a nightmare. It would have sucked so hard to be on set shooting that. It looks incredible and like the end result, totally worth it. Once you see the film, you're like, fuck yeah, I'd do that in a heartbeat. But on the day... If I didn't know, like, like Tom Hardy, if I was on set watching this absolute chaos shenanigans happening around me, yeah. I too would probably have second thoughts about whether or not this was going to be a good movie. But then when you see it, and it must have been, honestly, it must have been so satisfying for George Miller to be like, for, for so long to push this thing, to grind and to push this fucking shit uphill for so long. And it finally plays in the cinema and everybody would have just been blown the fuck away. It's also like George Miller is a, is a fucking like, cinematic icon legend Tom Hardy like from his perspective is like up and coming kid and George Miller's like you think you know what you're doing yeah 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 exactly <laughs> alright alright Big Rocks yeah. <laughs> George Miller's like I single handedly built the Australian film industry and Tom Hardy's like I've been in some movies yeah no 100% like right now we look at it and go Tom Hardy's one of the biggest stars in the world he plays Venom like he's worth millions I mean he probably is he, he probably is one of the biggest stars oh yeah 100% yeah. but then you're also just like Outside of the film industry, George Miller is 
you know, it's still incredibly famous. So you're like, it doesn't. It's not even jo- about George his Miller films. is probably like one of, one of the most famous Australian directors. Yeah, hundred percent easy. Yeah, and so you're like, you're like, I get it. On paper, it makes total sense why this movie was given so much money, why everybody t- gave it so much time. Multiple times, George would have said, "Trust me," and people would have gone, "Absolutely, I trust you implicitly. No worries." Huge production houses would look at that and go, "Yeah, whatever you want, George, we'll make it happen." Right. So when George says, "I want," post-apocalyptic vehicles with giant poles and circus performers on them to fly back and forth at speed in the desert. The producer in me goes, fuck that. But when George says it, you're like, yeah, all right, let's see what you got, big man. All right, it's, this it's, could work. It's also like when George says it, you know, you know it is that there's something going on there. Yeah, you're yeah. Like, I like, this is going to be a fucking nightmare to get done. Yeah, but, but God, it's going to be good. It's going to be worth it. And it fucking works. I think it's funny though, because obviously well, I mean, like it, we say this, but he could drop the ball. The next movie could be garbage. Who knows? Every every time it's a roll of the dice. Yeah. I mean, I, I, always, I always was funny. I mentioned Babe earlier. From the, from the genius that brought you Babe 2, Pig in the City comes Mad Max Fury Road. Right? Like, amazing. All that happy feet. Yeah. One of my favorite, like, stories about this is the the making of um, Mad Max Fury Road took so long that George took time off in between, like, like in between pre-production and more pre-production to make happy feet. Like, that, that movie only occurred because he, he was bored waiting for shit to happen on Fury Road. I think, too, like, he said that he wanted to make kids... He wanted to make movies for his kids. Yeah, yeah, because I think at the time, he... I can't remember what came just before that, but, yeah, it was the idea of, like, he, he was like, all right, I, I need to do something. Um, I, I haven't written anything too 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 easy to shoot obviously because the next big thing for him was going to be fury road yeah what do you do and it's like i'm going to do an animated film about penguins and everyone's like george are you sure and it's going to be a musical yeah (laughs) like are you that's what you want to do and he was like yes that's the film we're doing it and again absolute banger smashed it i I love to just like that mind going from like it's like from before that he would have done like uh beyond thunderdome right yeah Again, that's the one I haven't seen, but like from all from everything I know about it, it's balls to the wall, just insane, oh, incredible. Yeah, and then coming coming down and and it's like humbling to Babe and, and Happy Feet. I, th- I think it's just incredible. You know what it is? It's 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 you and I. We're playing our relaxing games. For me, it's Lego. For you, it's your your village building. Dorf romantic. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm I'm, I'm gonna back it. It's a plug good it, game. Plug it. Yeah. And then <laughs> and then the next day, it's Doom, and it's that exact same thing. It's like you can have room for both in your life, and you should. Yeah. You should find room for both. It's balance. It's balance. Everything in moderation. It can't be Doom all the time. That's that's too much. You can't <laughs> be Mad Max Fury Road every single night of the week. That's no. too much. There is another thing too. So another point I wanted to talk about both with like the original Mad Max and Doom actually is kind of like how uh, defining they were within the industry. It's like Doom was the first original like first person shooter and kind of like revolutionized what that looked like in games as a whole. I mean, very, very, they're both incredibly iconic in that sense of um, Mad Max in particular fuels a lot of what we now would consider when you, when you're looking at set dressing and production design and we say post-apocalyptic, People's minds People go think to about Mad, Mad Max. Max. Like like um, Fallout, uh, like the original Fallouts, like has like lots of callouts and references to Mad Max. Heavily influenced, yeah. And I so mean, that's the... Mad, Mad Max, I think, both rest, referenced like how to do uh, post-apocalyptic yeah. setting. But also, I think action movies as a whole, even Fury Road, oh, like yeah. when, when it came out, people were like, oh... That's a fucking action movie. Yeah, that's the that's the new standard now. Fuck. Yeah, I mean it's similar to um, things like John Wick, where like it reimagines what gunfights can look like. Yeah, and and you remember when the Matrix came out and yeah. that like reimagined that stuff? It's the same thing. Mad Max Fury Road was like, oh no, nah, we we get action movies, and everyone, oh it's an action movie, oh great. There's going to be some fight scenes. There's going to be there might be, be an explosion. There might or two. be like two fight scenes in a movie. No, yeah. no, 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 no. Like no, the, the, the movie whole, is the movie. That's the movie is action. <laughs> yeah, they go, oh, oh, so like, how do we get character development? And they're like, oh, it happens during the action. Yeah. What? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. There's like four or five lines of exposition, and I think it's great because it happens in such a. It's almost jarring. In that, like, one of the characters will say, like, oh, what about blah, blah, blah? And the other character goes, well, obviously, blah, blah, blah. And, like, that's it. That's all you get. Nothing else. It's, a, it's like a, a small detail I love in Fury Road is, like, because Max gets taken by this whole community and they're testing him taking his blood and tattooing his, butt, his, his back, being, like, universal donor blood type. Piss is okay. All this kind of stuff. Yeah. And, you, and you get just enough context to be, like, all the boys there are Half-Life. 
uh, because of all, all the radiation, they need blood. So Max is a blood bag, like a literal blood bag for blood transfusion to keep people going. Yeah. Uh, and, Amazing. And, and another one too, like when he's strapped to the front of the car and they're going and they see, he sees someone else driving his car, he says uh, like quietly, but you can pick it up as the camera goes by, first I took, the first I took my blood near my car, what next? Yeah, for real. It's, I think it's fascinating that like you, in, in, in the original version of the script, there was probably quite a bit more explanation of what was happening. Yeah. But then you realize as you're shooting the thing, you go, we don't need to explain it. It's visibly obvious what's happening. Yeah. Why, why a lot have of it dialogue too. when we can tattoo it on his fucking back? Like, that'll do the job. Well, this is another thing, too. It's, all, it's lots of exposition, exposition that isn't done through dialogue. Mm. There's lots of exposition, exposition... God, that word is not working for me today. <laughs> <laughs> but done through the production setting and the dressing, right? Yeah. So when um, Immortan Joe realises that uh, they've gone on and are running away from him and, and uh, Charlie's Theron has taken his wives... He blows up, storms into the room, and you you see written on the walls, "We are not slaves." All this kind of stuff. Yeah, we get it. We get it straight away. Yeah, yeah. like like immediately, you understand what's happening. Similar similar to um, uh, okay, I think I've mentioned this before, but this, there's a thing called Wadsworth's constant, which states that you can cut the first thirty percent off pretty much any media you're watching, and it still makes sense. Yeah, and this is true of like when when you're reading scripts and things or watching TV shows, if you if you just cut the first third off, it'll still make sense because there, there's so much of the development and the establishment of what happens at the beginning that it turns out is irrelevant because you will pick it up through context clues in the rest of the thing anyway. Yeah. And I feel like Mad Max figured this out by just doing that. It just doesn't have a first 20 minutes. It doesn't need it. They, they How does the film start? Max is there. He's caught. He's a blood bag now. That's the movie. Uh, like compared to Star Wars as a crawl at the start of each yeah, movie. Yeah, we need like, like zero three or four paragraphs coming you like, here's the setting, here's what's happening. Now we're getting into the movie. Yeah, they're straight away like, bad things have gone down. It's a desert. He's surviving. He gets captured. That's the beginning of the film. We didn't need 20 minutes of like, Max has a tragic backstory and this happens and blah, blah, blah. No, like, you, no. no you get a flash of him yeah. like seeing his daughter or you someone get, from the past being like, seconds, you were meant to save us. That's it. 30 seconds max. You're in it now. Deal with it. You know? yeah. And you figure out everything else through context clues. Doom Eternal, very much the same way. They're like, you're in it, congratulations, play the game. And like, then, oh, great. And then, like, if you want in Doom Eternal, like, you can find all the codex entries and actually read up mm. on, like, the deep lore and the, and the backstory and the, and the universe. And, like, if you really want to, like, deep dive and, like, get into the nitty-gritty of all of it, it's there for you. But if you don't need to, you, don't can, worry about it. you can just ignore it. Don't worry yeah. about it. Like, that's not the focus. Yeah. I wonder if that's the, that's the deal with, like, yeah, you don't need to have seen Mad Max be on Thunderdome to watch Fury Road. No, it, you don't need it. It it adds more context and more information, but it's not necessary. And maybe if that's the future of these, like you know, uh, intense action films, where it's like, don't don't worry about giving me twenty minutes worth of character development and backstory to make the character relatable or somehow sympathetic or whatever. Like I don't care. I'm watching an action film. I get it. I know what I'm doing. Maybe that's maybe that's why stuff like the original Doom, the original Mad Max worked so well. The original Mad Max has something very similar where like there is a there is a bit at the beginning that sort of goes, the world is falling apart. Yeah. And then straight there they're just like Max is a cop. Well Mad That's Max 3 Road does know. that too. Like it, it does have a very brief thing of it at the mm. start being like first people started fighting about oil, now it's water, and now like the world is collapsed. Oh, society Again, is collapsed. they do it through uh, audio cues. It's all it's all you're hearing the news play. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, cool, man. I get it. I get it now. That was it. That 10 seconds worth of blah, blah, blah. And that yeah, was, it was just 10 seconds. Yeah. Like, like they, they say just as much as they need to and then they just move on. Yeah. Yeah. We get it. I, I think that's great though. It's, it's, it's brilliant that you mentioned things like Fallout because not even realizing, but yeah, like the whole um, Fallout 3 in particular leans so heavily. I mean, I was even thinking like like Fallout 1 and 2. I mean, yeah. Oh, 100%. It's, yeah. It, it leans into it so heavily and I'm like, Man, it's wild to think that an Australian filmmaker has had such an impact on an entire subgenre of stuff. Right? This post-apocalyptic stuff. I think. Think, like, I think a lot of those like old like post-apocalyptic post-apocalyptic video games that were coming out in like the eighties and the nineties. Yeah. Because Mad Max, the original Mad Max was seventy nine. Yeah. Road Warrior was nineteen eighty one. Yeah. Basically, like oh, everyone would, like as a teenager would have seen these movies. Then when it's, when they're starting to like muck around with code and make games. Yeah. They're, they're just like echoing off the stuff that they know and love. Brilliant. Oh, so and then good. adding their quirky humor and there's Fallout. Fucking love it. It's great. <laughs> it's 
It's so true. Oh, man. What a ride. Well, okay, that, that could be a fun question. Like, if you were to play with Doom or Mad Max as an IP, what would you kind of want to explore with it, be it film yeah. or game or show or whatever? Like, what what would you find interesting and do, like, your style of? I mean, that's interesting, yeah. I feel like um, I, I really enjoyed the Mad Max game in that once you get through, I think it's probably the first first third maybe it opens up massively and it's much more open world and i really enjoyed that i like i would love to explore more of the mad max universe yeah i would probably do similar to what they're actually doing and tell other stories in that universe i think i don't know that i would have the gumption to try to do an actual mad max but a furiosa sure maybe maybe i mean even if it just did like a small like 2D arcade game. Yeah, where, where I think it'd be a lot of fun. It could it could just be one of those like driving platformer games where like you're driving across like the 2D landscape, uh, you lean out your the car window with a shotgun and blast whoever's in front, you run over them. Yeah. And this is a very simple arcade. It could be a mobile game. Like I think it's like the world building is so well done that you could explore it in multiple ways and have it be enjoyable and interesting. And it's like you just have to lean into those elements. You've got to know what those elements are. I think Doom's the same way. I don't know that I would do a Doom movie. I feel like that's that's potentially that's been, biting that's off been more than done you can chew. Yeah, too. Like, 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 like that's been done and like shown to kind of fail. It doesn't work, right? Because it doesn't doesn't lend itself to that. Unless you did something like Fury Road, where you were like, it's it's not the same as the Doom games. It's not an adaptation. But I'd be like, okay let's tell a story in that universe in which the Doomslayer exists. What was he doing hanging out with the Night Sentinels? Yeah. And you do an action film in which he that would That would be cool, actually. Like that. that might be the plot point that would be interesting to follow for a show or movie, yeah. is that story of the Night Sentinels when they're going to hell and trying to get the keys in, I think, Doom 2016. Yeah. Um, that could be a lot of fun because then you've got time to have characters and meet people and and explore some things. Whereas if you were just following the Doomslayer, realistically on film, it, it would be just we're going to kill everything. It would be jarring. We're going to break that. It'd be very jarring. It'd be very hard to do that in a cinematic way that flowed well. Yeah. So like the fact that Doom has like that Lawrence story that could be uh, dived into. Yeah. That I think that could be a good way to lend itself to yeah, like 100%. a show to explore that. For those like it doesn't have to be for everyone who loves the games or the actions. For those who like like the other stuff, mm. so it's still catering to the specific fans yeah. in a different way. Do you know what it is? This is where I'm, I'm leaning back into my favorite things here. But it's a, it's similar to okay. So there's the new Star Wars show that's coming out soon called Andor. Oh, that's the Rebel one. Yeah, yeah. And I I I it looks really really interesting because it doesn't involve the main Star Wars characters. And yeah. I really like that. They're like, yeah, okay, he was in Rogue One, sure, but we know what happens to him. You know, we, 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 he, his character already has a defined endpoint. So what they're doing instead is exploring what was happening in a part of the universe that we don't really get a look in very often. We spend most of our time in the Star Wars universe with big heroes doing big hero shit. This guy is like, I'm doing back alley deals with dodgy Imperial officers. And you're like, yeah, give me more of that. Yeah. I want to I want to explore that universe more in a way that is interesting and innovative instead of just being like it's a new new force user and they they're building a lightsaber and you've seen it before. Oh, and fucking holy shit big reveal they're a Skywalker. They're a Skywalker. <laughs> no, I think it's I think it's we we're, we're done with that. I think definitely exploring more. I think Taika Waititi's got a Star Wars project coming up as well and people have asked him in interviews like, "Oh, what's the story? You know, what's it about?" And he's like, "I have no idea. I haven't written the thing yet." But also, it's definitely not about the Skywalkers. And I'm yeah. like, fuck yeah, that's it, man. Like, we've, we've had... Yeah, I think we mentioned that in the Halo episode as well, actually. Yeah, yeah, I think it's a brilliant way to look at it. So I'd probably say something similar. If, if Not that it would ever happen, because, oh my goodness, give me the, the filmic reins of Doom. Mm-mm, don't do that. I'm not capable of handling that. But if you did, I would probably look at doing like a six-part high-budget miniseries about the Night Sentinels and well, about what that You know what like. else, too? So, like, I think... I forget the, the guy's name, but the creative director for Doom uh, has outright talked about, like, the inspiration and kind of style that they're, like, going for with Doom Eternal is that, like, Saturday morning cartoon, um, like, kind of, like, kid action figures models. Like, you know, you get them in the game as well. Yeah, you, you yeah. unlock, like, little, like, plastic figurines of all the characters in the game. On that note... Comic book run, yeah, hundred percent. This go like like yeah. a, like a real real like splashy. Let's this kind of like oh, pul- pulpy itself. comic. Yeah. yeah, just go through that and be like that. Probably honestly be like a good medium for it. I reckon. Yeah, you you could do a really interesting one. I think the other thing to 
explore is like, okay, um, the, the world building has been done to a certain extent. Like you talk about the codexes and things that you can pick up. They don't really go into it, but it's there. It's in the game. Yeah. Like all of that stuff is rich, 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 rich lore. You could absolutely do a book, a comic series, all sorts of stuff based on that. And all you'd be doing is supplementing the game. Instead of trying to do a straight adaptation or do something that's going to stand on equal footing, you're like, no, 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 no. The game is is the the golden icon here. We're, we're, we're going to build lots of little ladders that lead up to it. That's what we're doing. I think that would be very interesting to see. And I think you could do some really creative stuff with it. Yeah, for sure. What, what would you do with Mad Max if you did something like that? Man, that's a tough one. Yeah, if I was going to do something filmic, I would probably go same, same vein. I'd do something small TV show-ish. Like, okay, for example... What what's going on in Gastown while all this is going down? That's what I was thinking, like Gastown or the Bullet Farm, right? Or the Bullet Farm. I'd be doing like again. I'd probably stick with a six part series. I'm big on six parters at the moment. <laughs> Limited series. It's not designed to continue. You know, it's got a, it's got a def- definitive ending. Six episodes. What's going on in in the the bureaucratic nightmare that must be post apocalyptic town management? That would be like I mean like this this is me just wanting to be like weird and niche, but like you could even do that as a as a simulation game. You're oh, you're yeah. a bureaucratic manager going through all the inventory for Bullet Farm. Oh, could you imagine like a like a, a mayoral or like township simulator? Um, Oh, resource management or something like, yeah. but just in the Mad Max universe, that would be so much. And fun. then you're constantly just coming up against Immortan Joe, who just doesn't give a shit about you and your job, and is taking bullets. And then you have yeah. to be like, oh, for fuck's sake, where am I going to find more stock now? Man, that'd be crazy. Or you could do like a, a very cut down version of like Civilization. You could do a base building one because you know you, you know, yeah. you're ducking ammo presses and recycling all, all the shells and all that kind of stuff. Man, I tell you what, actually, that'd be a lot of fun. Base building in my in do, Mad Max. Do a, cool. a real time strategy like a base builder RTS. In the Mad Max universe, somebody write that shit down. That's a good idea. I'd play that. Then, oh, um, do what Starfield is doing with designing your own ships, design yeah. your own fucked up cars. That'd be great. That'd be so cool. Ah, uh, somebody, 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 get on that. I don't know who owns the rights to the the video game adaptation. Could uh, be the film studio. Who, could be could be George. Who knows? I think the studio that did the Mad Max game was the people who did Just Cause. So I forget their name, but like possibly. Yeah, I thought it was uh, was I, it it was Warner Brothers. I thought. Warner Brothers owns the IP. I'm just, I'm, I'm well, they don't, they don't own the full IP because they're partnered with, um, must be Village Roadshow on it. They've got like a, a first look deal between the two studios. It's also like, I don't know if the uh, development team would have like the right to the IP to do other games or if it was like contracted them for the one project. Yeah, true. It, it probably was considering that it got pretty much dropped off once it was released. Yeah. Like it got very little patches and care. It's actually, this, there's a game breaking uh, bug in Mad Max that can like completely corrupt a save. And it's brutal because the game takes ages to get to like, to, to open up and like get you to a point where you oh, can kind it, of do anything. Do you know what triggers the bug? Like, is it something that would happen like hours before it actually breaks the game? Nah, it, it was, uh, I'm kind of losing it, but it was something to do with like, if you save in a particular place or something like that, it corrupts the save and you can't reload it and you got to start the game again. Um, and there's missable achievements, which was really annoying. Yeah. Like I, I used to do a lot of achievement hunting and that was a pain in the ass that if you fully 100% the game, um, there are certain types of enemies that won't spawn anymore and a lot of the achievements rely on mastery of killing a certain amount of enemies. So you end up with like, you've, you've beaten the game, you've unlocked the whole open world, but now you don't get any more enemies spawning because you've like cleared the area. I remember my first time trying to do that 100%ing a game and missing something because it's in like one specific part where like if you play the mission and then go finish it you can't go back it was Fallout 3 yeah. uh, where one of the bobbleheads one of the special bobbleheads is in the enclave uh, in, like facility yeah. it's a, and so you get abducted and taken there for a mission and then you have to break out and then when you break out the whole place gets destroyed you can't go back in so if you don't know that there's a bobblehead there it's gone if you don't like explore every single little room and nook and cranny it's gone forever and you can't get it and then on that save file you can't complete that you can't get the achievement man you gotta be like game developers stop doing that shit like for some of us, it's a it's an OCD thing, man. I got to collect that shit. <laughs> I got to have it. But also, I need my dopamine. As a, as a game developer, it's so tempted to just put like a, a little a little something something yeah. right there. Yeah. Oh man, so funny. If I was trying to make a third thing that would fit in this same realm of going right, Mad Max Fury Road, Doom Eternal. What's the third one? I'd I'd have to go. Okay, well, what's the recipe? The recipe is that 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 unrelenting action just yeah. in your face. The soundtrack would have to just be 
it, it, the soundtrack almost has to be elevated beyond the material. We could talk soundtrack about should be able to be released as an album and have people be into it, no matter what it was attached to. Oh fuck yeah, absolutely! And that's a big part of it, I think. Yeah. No, another thing that um, I really liked, loved when Doom Eternal came out. Doom Eternal released on the same day as Animal Crossing. Mm. Oh yeah, for real. Yeah, that's right. I remember that being a whole thing. Yeah, and uh, and like and the communities for both games. Like kind of like leaned into it and loved it, being like, yeah. like no, no, these two can can coexist. It's like with Dwarf Romantic playing yeah. Dwarf Romantic yeah. and playing Doom. A lot of people were playing Animal Crossing and playing Doom. Yeah, and be like, this is amazing. It's the best of both worlds. Perfect. Yeah. Um, you know, there's people doing like crossover videos of like uh, Isabel from Animal Crossing. Oh, yeah, that's right. Going like <laughs> go, like partnering up with the Doom Slayer, going to hell and killing demons, and then coming back and having a, a tea party with the with the Doom Slayer in the Animal Crossing village. Yeah, I love it. Ah. Oh. So maybe maybe like a cool like fan project would be a crossover between with Doom and Mad Max. That could be cool. Do you have Max go to hell or do you have the Doom Slayer go to Australia? Do you know what the funniest part about that is? Either one of those options could totally work in the in the canon of both franchises. Just do it. Why not? Mad Max goes to hell? Absolutely. That's the new entry. Let's do it. And hell why? And why not? Hell is Australia now too. Yeah, Fuck Mad it. Max goes to hell. And everyone's like, oh, it's like it's like Freddy v Jason or Jason goes to hell, whatever that movie was. Yeah. No, no. It's metaphor, but also it's literal. Australia yeah. is hell now. Like, <laughs> also fuck it, just lean in, lean in. I love it. Turn it, it up to eleven. Yeah. Uh, on that point, actually, like <laughs> with, with uh, like Freddie and Jason having like you know a dozen sequels, and you have like yeah. Jason X. It's, he's fucking in space now, killing people. Mad Max and Doom could easily just like for, for, for the fucking fun of it. Like, let's do like each yeah. like poorly conceived, uh, really stupid ongoing sequel. We'll have. Max in the rainforest now. We'll have Doom Slayer. I mean, he's already been in space. Yeah. We'll have Doom Slayer in a suburban environment, just, try, yeah. just trying to trying to deal with like demons invading his nice house. Yeah. And, yeah. And destroying his shit, or really pared down. I love it. Yeah. This, 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 the like really, really wildly different. Strip it down to be <laughs> yeah, like yeah. like slowly chipping away at what makes Doom Doom or what makes Mad Max Mad Max. Yeah. And being like, how far can you push that? Push that in any possible direction. Oh, brilliant. Being like, what if Max and the Doomslayer sat down and t- and did a podcast talking about like, what would it be like <laughs> to be in the film industry or a game developer in Melbourne at the moment? And just, and just theorizing, oh, oh, wow, that, I couldn't imagine. It'd be, that would be hell. Oh, what a trip. Far out. I would love to see that. Somebody get on that. Oh, so good. But yeah, okay. I think, I mean... It's actually a bit of a shorter episode. But, yeah, I think so. But like, I covered everything I want. It was great. This has oh, been man. Mad Max Eternal. Mad Max Eternal? God damn it. Do you know what? <laughs> it could be though. That could be the name of the the, the cooperative game. Yeah, Doom Fury Road. Maybe sure. that's it. Doom this, Fury Road. This has been Mad, Mad Max, Max Eternal and Doom Fury Road. Thanks for joining <laughs> us. <laughs> oh, and we'll, we'll catch you later. Bye. Until next time. Bye. <laughs>